Okay, Rachel, now I can't wait to live with you. And you know what we should do? Bring Monica, and then we can all live there together. We'll have so much fun. You don't need to be embarrassed. But you said, don't come crying to me when it all turns to hell and I have to pick up the pieces. You said that. It's just what you say. Of course I'm going to pick up the pieces. What else would I do? You're my best friend. One of my favorite lines in all of Friends, Monica, I don't want to get married because I'll have to live with a boy. Good morning, Crossroads. It's good to see everyone here on our Loveland campus and especially welcome to you if you're joining us online. We're glad that you're part of this whole spiritual growth experience that we're calling The Four Loves. It's named after a book by the same name that was written by C.S. Lewis. And we've been studying the natural kinds of love that God has built into the universe and that God has built into each of us. So Thus far, we have looked at affection love. Last weekend, we looked at romantic love. This weekend, it's friendship. Next weekend, it's agape. That's Greek for divine love, God's love. And the Greeks had, uh, had numerous terms or words for this one idea of love. In English, we just have one, the word love. And in the Bible, it is recognized these different types of love that the Greeks also talked about. And there's a conversation between Jesus and his disciple Peter in the Gospel of John, where Jesus asks asks Peter the same question three times. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. The first two times he uses that word agape. Peter, do you love me unconditionally like God loves? The third time he changes the word to phileo, meaning Peter Are you fond of me? Do you like me? Phileo means that kind of bond between two companions who are closer than siblings. This is friendship love. And that's our topic for this weekend. And our inspiration for this lesson, it comes from Mark chapter two. It's a different gospel story. This is one of the most famous stories of friendship in the whole New Testament, maybe the Bible. Mark 2, verses 1 through 12, and I'll read it. You can follow along. It's in your program notes that are stuffed in your program. It's also on the YouVersion app. It'll also be up on the screens. The story goes, when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. When they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up, take your mat and walk. 
But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Now imagine for a moment what it would be like to be paralyzed in first century Palestine. His whole world was a mat, probably three feet by six feet, something like we would keep in front of our kitchen sink. And someone else had to feed him and carry him and clothe him and turn him and clean him. He was utterly dependent. He has no freedom and independence that we so value. And there was nothing that could be done for him medically. No surgeries or prosthetics, no physical therapy, not even a support group with people who shared his situation. No hope for any other kind of life as far as he knows. And anyone in this condition would be a beggar. People would take him on his mat to an intersection, a busy intersection of roads. And he would lie there all day, week after week, year after year, his hope being that people would have mercy and drop a few coins on his mat. And that was his livelihood and lifestyle. And he would dream, certainly, of being able to run and walk and enjoy himself and go to work and come home to a warm family home, maybe play with the neighbor kids, play with his own children. And then he would wake up and look at that ceiling and feel the mat beneath his weight and realize he's a prisoner of the room and the mat. And in his mind, he would never be free because he has no resources, no job, no influence. Based on what he knows, there will not be a different future. But what does he have going for him? I'll come out with it. It's a big one. This guy's got friends. He's in one of the killer small groups of all time. And we should realize these friendships would not have been easy to form. It's not as easy for him to make friends as it is for Joey and Chandler and Ross and Phoebe and Monica. Not at all. They live in New York City and they're rich and fun. This guy has a physical condition that would have made the deck stacked against him for any kind of friendship to ever emerge in his life. Even in our day, people with mobility challenges face this challenge. They say the biggest obstacle they face are the attitudes of so-called normal people. People in their ignorance, who don't have the courage to make eye contact, who look away out of awkwardness, or maybe who shun or bully. This world is a very fast-paced place, and it is not friendly to people who don't run fast. And parents of differently abled children, they know the pain. They know where the real pain is. It's much harder than just not being able to do the tasks that other people can do easily. But it's this limitation that makes it hard to be in social relationships or to make friends. There is the embarrassment and the bullying or just the difficulty. And I think all parents know what that feels like. Our deepest longing is for our children to be supported in friendship. And there's a barrier to that when people have physical differences. And the ancient world was much harsher place. People with special needs, 
the Greeks had laws on the books to kill a deformed child. They practiced infanticide, leave a child out, exposed if there are any deformities. And we know in ancient Rome, there was a law on the books to quickly kill a child with disabilities. And in Israel, this man would have suffered another stigma. Religious Jews believed that if we had this kind of condition, either mentally or physically, that God was punishing us and there must have been something we did, a sin we committed to bring it on ourselves. There's a story in in John chapter nine where the disciples asked Jesus about this very question. They're just curious. A blind man walks past them on the road and they say to Jesus, who sinned that this, this guy would be blind? Was it him or was it his parents? And what they're getting at is that they were told that a fetus was capable of sin, that if a mother worshiped at a pagan altar, that the child had committed adultery. This is the world that they lived in. Jesus straightens it out. He's a kind, loving teacher. He says, no, neither. This is news to them. They just assumed there was some sin to explain the blindness. And this man on the mat lived in this kind of world with these attitudes. But there is this little group who grew close to him anyway. And they are devoted to their friend. Do you have any friends like that? Have you ever been in a group like this? Well, we all need to be. We need to be for our health. California Department of Mental Health did a study and they discovered that if people don't have close, deep friendships, they will suffer in life physically and emotionally. You are two to three times more likely to die prematurely, to suffer from burnout or anxiety or depression, and you are 10 times more likely to be hospitalized for a mental disorder, for an emotional episode. Friendship, love, is healing medicine It's essential to human thriving. It's companionship for the soul. We need friends. They are not just something nice to have. We need them for our physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. We need friends to be happy. I'll take it one step further. We need friends to become whole. It's part of God's plan for wholeness. We need to be able to listen to and understand another person despite their limitations and flaws. And we need someone in our life to do that for us. It's part of the pathway to becoming spiritually alive. And people rarely drift into this kind of relationship. So I want us to walk through this text and we'll notice the characteristics of friendship love. I want us each to contemplate what our private world of friendship is like. And I want us to go even deeper than that. I want us to understand what God does in our souls through the gift of friendship. So let's talk about soul friends. Soul friends is the term I'm going to use for this special quality of friendship. We're gonna talk about soul friends. First thing about them is they are vulnerable with each other. Soul friends are vulnerable. Can you imagine what this man goes through to become friends with this group? I wonder what it would feel like to have people close to me staring at my wounds and flaws all the time, to be exposed like that, no privacy, and comparing myself to my friends who have strong bodies and jobs and marriages. 
would be hard. But that's not really why the man is vulnerable. That's one kind of vulnerability. But the kind I want to talk about is the kind we willingly consent to. It's a strength of soul to be vulnerable. It comes from somewhere else. We get it by being open and authentic and consenting to be seen. Letting people in and then taking the risk that upon being open, we will still be loved and accepted when we are seen for who we really are. So vulnerability is a condition of the heart. It's a personality trait and it takes courage. Anyone else in the room watching the Amazon original, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? A few people, Pastor Rod Kai is watching it. It's a fun show. It's set in the 50s in New York City. And Mrs. Maisel is a stereotypical 50s housewife. Not for long. She's a talented comedian who's going to rise to stardom. But right now at the beginning, she's supporting her husband who's not as talented as she is. And she has this little habit. Every night she goes to bed with all her makeup on, fresh red lipstick, hair done up. And she lies down very still next to her husband and waits till he goes to sleep, turns off the light. And once he's asleep, she's in the bathroom and she's setting the hair on rollers. She washes the face, moisturizes and cakes it up with some green goop. That's a big old mask. Then she goes back to bed and lies down perfectly still, sleeps just a few hours and is back up in the bathroom, styling the hair, reapplying the makeup and the red lipstick back in bed. He wakes up. And she pretends like that's who she is. It's what makeup can do for us. It enhances our appearance, right? It's putting on a face to manage what people think of us. But we don't just wear physical makeup, do we? We wear emotional makeup. That's trying to hide the real us. And friendship heals us of this flaw. It opens up our soul. And then our friends were real and honest and open with each other. A soul friend will do something very unusual. A soul friend will let you carry their mat for them sometimes. They're vulnerable. And here's the truth about us. Every one of us has a mat. Your mat's just a symbol of your human vulnerability. We all have wounds. We all have flaws. We all have limitations and imperfections. We're all abnormal, if you will. Look at the person next to you. Gauge their level of nod if they look normal. They may look normal, but you get to know them well enough, they're abnormal. Do you know anyone normal that you know well? And if that's true, it means you're not normal either. It's just reality. Each of us has a mat. Maybe your mat is your temper. The temper you can't control. Stuff happens and you lose your center. You have what my Danish friend calls a come apart. That means an emotional meltdown. Hot tears stream down your your cheeks. Harsh words spew out of your mouth. You scare kids. You scare pets. Any adult with boundaries uses them with you. They've learned it. And then you wake up in the middle of the night planning your apology. Not a good feeling. It's your mat. Maybe your mat is fear. 
You read Brene books on courage and being daring. You plan your course, but the truth is when you have to have a hard conversation, just confronting your mother, your palms get all sweaty and you're 70. That's fear. It's a limitation. And maybe your mat is a secret. It's a thing you don't want anyone to know or a period of your life you're ashamed of. Many, many people have a mat of depression and anxiety. It limits our options in life if we have those feelings and those limitations. And all of us have the mat of bad habits that keep us contained, take away our freedom, and we want to hide those things. Every human has wounds and flaws, and we tend to hide. And some people spend their life pretending they don't have a mat and they appear so healthy and strong. We just think they can walk anywhere they want to walk all on their own. Oh, they can see other people's mats, but they don't talk about their own. They try to hide their wounds. They try to hide their flaws. And if you're one who has avoided being vulnerable in relationships or you're not good at this, you won't be able to have soul friends. It's a hard truth. And so here's a helpful question. Who do you let carry your mat for you? Who do you let see your wounds? Who prays for you? If no one comes to mind and you're stumped by that question, that's okay. We can learn and we can grow. Now we might not turn over the leaf of vulnerability in an instant, It might not be wise for me to come into the room next weekend and when Josh or Jess says, turn and greet someone, I say, hi, my name is Katie. I have an online gambling addiction. Will you pray for me? Can I borrow $5? What's your credit card limit? That's probably not gonna work very well. No, we ease into this like we do all kinds of spiritual growth. I'd recommend you start talking to God about it first. We've got this resource for the series with scripture passages, 28 of them for the whole series. And we have four journaling questions and they go in a sequence. And I believe the fourth week, the journaling is about this very topic. Resource looks like a bookmark. There's a bunch of them out at the Welcome Center. You could just journal your way through those fourth week questions and read one of those scripture passages on love every week. And you're on your way to God opening up your heart, learning how to be vulnerable, If there's no one you can think of that you could talk to about this, you can hire someone. It's what a psychotherapist does. It's what a counselor does. It's what a celebrate recovery group leader does. It's what our Stephen ministers do here at Crossroads. You could call our church office and Linda Turkovich will get you a trained volunteer that you could begin to talk to. We can all do it. But if we choose not to learn the art of vulnerability, we'll have some acquaintances. We'll have companions, maybe. We'll have colleagues and associates, but not soul friends. And we'll wonder why we're lonely and anxious. And the man with the mat is not lonely. He's got friends and they let him close and they carry his mat and then it gets better. One day Jesus comes to their town And scholars think the house was Jesus's house. It's what it sounds like where this crowd gathered. And the group of friends is gonna go to Jesus's house to hear him teach. And they are naturally, because of this love, they're gonna help their friend get there. That's the thing about soul friends. 
Soul friends serve each other. They work real hard. They sweat for each other. They show up and tell their friend, we're going to see Jesus tonight and we will pick you up at nine. And he has no choice because when they pick him up, they pick him up. And they get to his house and it's packed, standing room only. Back in the day, there were not so many entertainment options, no Netflix, no Instagram, no Eagles games. So when something was going on in town at somebody's house, the word spread and people got together back in the day. Back in the day, that used to happen here in Loveland. It happened on 287. You know that spot on 287 where the northbound and the southbound meet up and there's a Taco John's there in that parking lot? Yeah. Well, back in the day, in the 80s, there was a Taco John's in that parking lot. And on any given Friday night, there were hundreds of teenagers and their cars. Because when word got out, something was happening. We got together. I just bet that Taco John's wants to go back to the days before cell phones when they could sell thousands of tacos on a Friday night. And I would like to go back to the days before cell phones just for a little while and cruise around with my friends in the car, do the real carpool karaoke. That's Queen, 1975. I was kind of a baby when, when that happened. I'm, I'm, I wasn't in high school when that song came out. But we knew it. We knew it. Well, Mark describes this get-together situation, verses 2 and 3. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So people were crowded outside the door to hear this message, and they couldn't get close. I imagine the foursome was pretty disappointed. Because they know Jesus. He's their neighbor. He's a healer. They're at his house, but they can't get through to him. And their friend is sick. Then someone must have spoken up because they got to generate an idea. Probably sounded like Ross whining. We got to get in there. And then maybe Chandler Bing goes, okay, guys, let's brainstorm. And remember, when we're brainstorming, there's no such thing as a bad idea. He looks, he looks right at Joey. He's actually mocking Joey because he knows Joey's idea will be dumb, but Joey doesn't know that. So he offers up the idea. In innocence, he says, dudes, let's dig a hole in the roof and lower him down. Chandler, any other ideas? But the group doesn't have any ideas, so they go with Joey's hole in the roof idea. They have decided they're determined to get their friend to Jesus. No obstacle is going to stand between them and what they want, especially for a soul friend. No obstacles, no barriers. They go with the hole in the roof idea. So here's another helpful question. When have you dug a hole in the roof for a friend? When have you dug through the roof for a friend? Done something really daring. I think our culture's lost sight of this level of friendship. We've confused friends with friendly people, and it's not the same thing. Our world's full of connections and networks, contacts and likes and Facebook friends. You can buy friends, followers, on Instagram. But friendship love is not like that. It's not strategic. 
There's a big difference between being well-connected and being friends with someone because they're useful to you and really being friends. So when's the last time you dug through the roof for a friend? And this is the stuff that's hard work. This is stuff like listening to the same story and the same complaints and the same blaming and the same blind spots that you've been listening to for years, but you listen with love and acceptance and full confidence that God is going to lead your friend on a journey of growth. And you're that support person there for them. It could be sharing difficult feedback and planning that conversation and getting through the fear and awkwardness of that so they can grow. It could be planning a trip or a special event, someplace, something you dearly love, and you're going to let them into your space and share it with them. Years ago, my family went with me to a work conference in California, and um, it was a conference of pastors. I was getting ordained. There were tons of pastor friends there with their families, and we went to dinner, and we went to the ocean, and it was a great time. And our family was going to stay a few days longer and rent a hotel room on the ocean. And some friends of ours said, someone has loaned us their house and there's room for all of you. Why don't you just come stay in this house with us near the ocean? We'd love to have you. And I thought, ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. Really for two reasons. Number one, I didn't want to invade their space. And number two, I kind of wanted my own space. Wasn't sure about that. We went ahead and did it anyway. And it was a lot of work for this other family. There's six of us. Extra beds and washing and grocery shopping and cooking and cleaning. And at one point I said to the mom of this family, this is so nice. You could have had this place to yourself for all these days. And she said, oh, that's not what we want. We just love to share whatever we have. And that's being a soul friend. That's what I mean by hard work. That's what I mean by roof crashing. Sharing is a way to serve. So back to this Bible study, that's what these guys are doing. It was common in those days for a house like this to have a ladder from the outside up to the rooftop area. And these guys go up there and just start remodeling. Can you imagine being inside the house? (laughs) Jesus is teaching It's probably his house. Stuff is falling from the ceiling. All of a sudden, Joey's head pokes through a hole. Yo, Jesus. In case you think the story is soft on vandalism, not realistic. I think back in that day, there were beams on the roof that would hold our weight. And then in between, there would be thatch. And I suppose the group just made a simple hole that would be pretty easy to repair But they did make the hole and they did lower a paralyzed guy down to the floor below and they are determined to get their friends to Jesus. And that's another thing about soul friends. They help each other get closer to Jesus. Do they ever? I mean, these guys must have wondered, how is Jesus going to respond? Teachers can be pretty touchy about being interrupted. Jesus came to earth before there were cell phones. The Bible says when it was time, God came. God knew what God was doing. But verse five, 
is a very special statement. It's the response of Jesus, and it's the turning point in the story. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw how much they cared, when Jesus saw their courage, their faith in him as a teacher and a healer, elsewhere in the gospels, it says Jesus didn't do much teaching in his own town. Why? People didn't have faith in what he was saying. Not these guys. Jesus stopped his talk when he saw their faith. Do you ever think about what your faith in God can mean in the life of a friend? Their faith moved them to get him there and dig a hole through the roof. Now there is no record of them pleading their case, intercessory prayer, singing worship songs, bowing down, or saying anything at all. It's not what they said that got his attention. The story goes, they saw, he saw their faith. And what sort of faith did he see? Well, he sees a big hole in his ceiling with four faces peering in. He sees sweaty, dusty, hopeful faces of his neighbors trusting somehow that Jesus has a kind and understanding heart. They're not worried about rejection or punishment or being embarrassed or what the crowd will think. They're just thinking about their friend and Jesus sees it. He sees their faith and he stops and turns his gaze on the small body that's really just inside a large soul lying on a mat. And he looks past the bodily imperfections to the whole person and speaks life-giving words. Verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And this man has been judged and shamed and mocked by people who assumed his condition was some indication of spiritual inferiority. And now Jesus announces that this man is clean, forgiven, and right with God. Can you imagine the affirmation? If someone is your friend, their deepest concern is for your soul. It's more important than the condition of your body or your career or your marriage. The important thing is the well-being of your soul. It's your happiness inside, your relationship with the God of your life. That's the deepest concern they have if they are your soul friend. And these guys are this man's friends. He let them into his soul. They are serving him. They brought him to God. And because of this friendship, he has a healing encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, there are other types of people in the room. Verse six. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Other versions say the teachers of the law. They are supposed to be spiritual guides. But apparently there is no one in their life who's in need of guidance, of forgiveness, of salvation, of healing. Apparently they are not in need of that. Or if there is someone in their life who needs something like that, they don't think of Jesus's house as a place to bring that person. They don't think of going to Jesus's house for their own spiritual needs. And so we ponder here, we pause here to ponder who is on God's side in moments like these. 
Is it experts with Bible knowledge and strict doctrine? But no spiritual needs and no spiritually needy friends? Or is it this group of roof crashers who are sharing whatever spiritual understanding they have with each other? And there's a warning here. Mark wants us to pause. C.S. Lewis in his chapter on friendship has us pause to recognize that not all friendship groups are healthy. Some groups get together more to protect themselves from having to change and grow or to oppress those who are outside of their group's way of thinking. But that's not the kind of friendship we're talking about here. Friendship love brings people closer to God. And I hope that this church family is always a group of roof crashers. I hope that we remember that the most reliable sign of spiritual maturity is not our Bible knowledge and our doctrine, though those things are important. The reliable sign of spiritual maturity is love. It's a deep, deep love for people and a confident love for God and a ruthless abandoning kind of love that desperately wants to bring those two things together. The religious elite in Jesus' living room are watching as all of this is coming down. And they're thinking to themselves, who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And forgiving the sin of an outcast, the unforgivable, And of course, that's Jesus's point. That's his teaching point right there. That only God can forgive sins. And that he has forgiven these sins. And he's making a statement about his identity that he himself is God. And he says to them, so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat and go to your home. And everyone watches in stunned silence as this man stands and folds his mat and walks to the door, his friends following closely behind. And in one shining moment, his world went from three by six to as far as his feet can carry him. And it went from hope, hopeless to hope is here. To all things are possible. And all of this happens because of friendship love. Phileo. There's no love like it. And I have for us two final helpful questions. The first one. When have I experienced friendship love? When have I felt this and been a part of it? And the second question What is my prayer today? And perhaps immediately comes to your mind, your phileo friends. Maybe your prayer is a prayer of gratitude. Thank God I have this in my life. And maybe you pray a prayer of commitment that you will keep this going, that you will teach others how to do it, that you will teach your children how to do this, that you will grow it in your life. And if you're stumped by that question and you say, I don't know if I've ever had that, or maybe 
oh, I had it, but it's gone. Then maybe your prayer is, God, light the fire in my heart. Light the fire of courage to build this into my life. Help me learn how to be vulnerable. You start talking to God about that. Call to mind someone in your life that you could trust with your own soul and someone that you could serve. Maybe you know what their needs are. Maybe you pray for them. And then maybe you turn that prayer into a conversation and you give them spiritual encouragement. C.S. Lewis wrote, those who love greatly are near to God. And friendship love is meant to open your soul and do just that. Well, I want to end our time by praying together. So I'm going to have a stand. Let's stand together. And I will lead us in a prayer. Lord God, we are grateful to learn more about love. There's so much here that that we might not be tapped into. We're thankful for some time to really study it. But most of all, we ask you to open up our hearts. We want this to go from our heads to our hearts into our actions. And we want to be more whole people. So whatever the prayers were that came to our minds in the last few minutes, and whatever prayers are formed and given and written in the next week, I pray that you would do more than we could ask, do more than we could imagine, and lead us into better friendships. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we have just scratched the surface on this friendship love topic. I hope you're in a small group because it's the topic for this week. There will be a teaching video. There will be other stuff. So if you're not in a group, you can talk to a Next Step volunteer, find out how you can do that. You can go online and do that. Next weekend, we're talking about God's love, unconditional love, agape. We have prayer team members right down front here, both sides. If you need prayer in person, please come down and have a great weekend.